Okay, we're going to get started. I'm sorry I don't have enough handouts. I have no idea there are this many people on this weekend, but um, super fun to come. When Rich asked us to come, uh, we were like, Mike and I were like, of course, because this, we've been at camp with so many of you, and, and some of you will have to help me because you're like Lori, and, and you have to tell me the camp in the summer. No, I'm kidding. But you have to, like, sometimes just think about that we have an assignment, right? Sheila, help me out. Every summer, and there's 40 workers and 40 summer staff. And I definitely remember every one of your names. No, I'm kidding. I don't. So help me out. But I'm really excited to be here. It's super fun to be with you guys when we've been at camp with like a lot of familiar faces. And that just makes it awesome. So um, yeah, maybe you should come in. (laughs) I think we're at capacity. Allie's like, you're so mean. Okay, so I'm just going to start by telling you a little bit about myself. And then we're going to jump in. And I will give you a caveat that I'm from. Philadelphia, so I tend to talk fast, and if it's just getting too fast, just raise your hand. I'm just excited about what I have to share, and um, I just get carried away, and I forget that people speak slower sometimes. So, um, But we're from Charlottesville, Virginia, and like I said, my name is Lori. I'm married to Mike, who is doing a seminar on how to give a club talk, no, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it's been a really busy week coming into this week. But, um, and we have three kids, so our oldest is at UVA, and uh, I don't know if people feel like this is snotty from out of town, but they call themselves third years instead of like juniors, which is what I'm used to. But um, it's a UVA thing. Other schools do that, or is that just yeah. a UVA thing? Oh, you. Cincinnati. Oh, my God. Cincinnati does it? Because we have got a lot of five year programs. Oh, so you're there fifth year. I get that. I just thought it kind of sounded snotty at Okay. Anyway, she's a third year at UVA. She, Brittany leads Young Life. Some of you know her. And she coaches lacrosse. So it's super fun to have her in town. But when her school plays, like my kids' school I, that they still go to, it's like really hard to know who to cheer for. But it's really fun kind of family. We do a lot of family ministry. That's really fun. So then I have twins who, um, if you know them, you can tease them for us. They were in the last seminar. And they told me, Sheila, they told me like I couldn't introduce them. So like I'm telling stories about them. And I'm trying not to look at them. It was so awkward. But um, so I have twins. Cooper, is that funny? I have twins, uh, Cooper and Ashley, who are seniors. They do not know where they're going yet. They've applied to a lot of schools. Ohio State is one of them, but a lot of money would have to come through because you guys out of state. UVA is cheaper in state than Ohio State is out of state. So um, I just share that with you to say that we are big Buckeye fans because Mike grew up in Cincinnati. So ministry-wise, we've been doing Young Life for 30 years, which makes me sound really old. The first, like, 20 years, I would... I did like suburban ministry with Mike. Um, and then about 10 years ago, we had been in Charlottesville for a couple of years. And I think it was a combination of obviously the call of God, but also feeling like my three young kids were tired of being dragged to like every Friday night football game and every other event that happened in school. And God just like, I didn't know much about young lives, but I found out and I thought that would be really cool to raise my kids with the girls' kids that I'm working with. And they grow up together and see this incredible picture of our city and it gets them like more engaged in the city and their heart uh, for the urban parts of our city and anyway so 10 years ago I started Young Lives in Charlottesville so that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years ago Um, and I'm also the coordinator for our region so if you hear me say girls a lot it's just because I work with just girls so I mean obviously what I'm sharing applies to anybody so with that in mind let's pray and we're gonna jump right in. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word um, uh, is just timeless. Uh, It's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I thank you for your desire for us to know you more and to walk more closely with you. I just pray for your presence this time and that you'll show us things we didn't know and open up places in our heart uh, that just to walk deeper with you. And so we ask you to be with us. Help us stay awake um during this time as we're all tired and i just thank you for this opportunity to be together in jesus name amen okay so i'm going to start so some of you have handouts and this is how we're going to do this because you don't want to hear from me i'm already talking too much probably but um if i say if you have a paper and i say a reference for those of you who don't have a paper just write it down and i want someone to read it okay so i'm not just like reading everything and i've learned the first two sessions i put way too much Um, on this paper and so hopefully you will get this paper at some point because I think it'd be great in your time with the Lord but we're not going to go over every verse is what I learned the last two sessions so and this is not like a seminary talk on how to study the word my heart is really that to give you guys a passion for your time with the Lord and that you desire to be in his presence and I feel like that looks different in all of our lives so I can't tell you how much time to spend with the Lord or how 
to study, you know, the word. I will say this, just coming off of um, new staff training, I'm not just new on staff, but um, <laughs> I do the Young Life small group there every year, that Crystal Kurgis, who is our new vice president for discipleship, has incredible stuff available for discipleship personally and with our kids. So I'm just going to give her a little shout out that look it up. It's worth it. If you can't get to the resources, ask your staff person. But there's incredible resources on like practicality, how to study the Bible. So that's really not, I want to talk about how I use, how God's word is a part of my life, how it's part of my ministry, and how to just create in you guys a desire to be about being in the word, not necessary. We're going to talk a little practical at the end. So does that make sense where we're headed? Um, I was just with Bill Page at New Staff Training and simple but profound quote he said about the word he said read the bible incredible things happen at the feet of jesus and i think that pretty much says it all we cannot be in his presence without being changed and scripture calls us to be presence carriers and if we're not in his presence how can we carry his presence right it just it can't work and so um, i want to ask you guys if you uh could meet a famous person who would it be (coughs) eleanor roosevelt that's cool Anybody else? Dave got... Chappelle. Who? Dave Chappelle. Okay, I don't even know who that is. Sorry, I'm old. Anybody else? We got Taylor Swift and Beyonce last time. Nobody like that? Will Smith. Will Smith. That would be fun. So if you had spent time with him, once you left him, what do you think you would do? Tell everyone. You would tell everyone. You'd probably go around for years. Like, I got to hang out with Will Smith, right? Because that's yeah. a really cool, amazing thing. And you would continue to tell people about it. And I think that's, that's how I view my time with the Lord, that we get to spend time with the God of the universe. And why am I not as excited to tell people about it as I am if I met a famous person and I walk around talking about it for years, right? And so our time with the Lord, our time in our presence should change us, that we're <laughs> profoundly affected to share it with others, not just in ministry, but our lives. And I'll say this, anybody I've ever studied that has done, like been a part of a significant movement of ministry, like Jim Rayburn with Young Life, he's our founder, if you don't know that name, um, you know, or uh, Billy Graham, or one of my favorite evangelists, uh, only one person in the last two sessions knew this person, so I just got to ask, has anybody ever heard of Angus Buchan? No. Okay, well look him up. It's amazing. He's like a Billy Graham of South Africa, fills soccer stadiums, of just people coming to Christ, just like Billy Graham, racial reconciliation, just huge, amazing stuff. Anytime I've ever read a book about their life, a biography, what do you think is the one thing that like just jumps out about their lives? Well, there's a lot, but the one common theme. <clears throat> Spent time with people, yes. Spent time with Jesus. Like if you read, um, and then spent time with people, absolutely. And if you read, if you, has anybody read Jim Rayburn's Diaries? Okay, it's completely worth it. I would read it because if you read, it says that he went into office at five, spent time with the Lord, and then started his meetings at seven. Or Like every day is just a journal entry, super practical and super inspiring about his passion for the Lord because he had to. Started some, well, he didn't know how big he was starting something, right? Billy Graham, the same way, hours with the Lord. The guy that I love, Angus Buck, and I read, um, you know, a biography about him, and he spent, and he spent like in the height of his ministry, he spent from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. with the Lord every day. I mean, and I'm not standing here saying I spent four hours a day with the Lord. I wish I would, I mean, but I, I don't. But the reality of what I'm trying to say is we have to spend time in his presence to see the change in ourselves and those around us, right? And all these great people who have started these great movements of God, their time with the Lord was the most important part of their day. In fact, I can't remember if it's Billy Graham or Jim Rayburn who said this, but that, um, that he meets with God before he meets with any man. And how many times, especially if you go on staff, do you get up and you just have breakfast meetings where you just start into your day without even have spent time with the Lord? Um, so we need to meet with God over meeting with men, and that needs to be our priority. So how do we get excited about the word? I'd love when God like confirms his word and there were a lot of things that Jess said last night and I haven't talked to Jess like in a year probably that I had written down so I'm going to skip some of them and I love that God just kind of confirms that theme but he talked about oh she talked about overflow right and that that we're so enamored with the Lord that's the overflow of him and us well great analogy I just want to start off with I was got to bring a whiteboard but I can't draw so you wouldn't have been able to understand it anyway so just go with me in your imagination you have a faucet And the faucet is God. You've probably seen this. And what comes out of the faucet, right, is water. And you have the cup. 
And what happens when the cup is full? It overflows to those around you, right? And that's ministry. Christ in us overflowing out of us. What we tend to do, I think, in young life is we fill up with God, and then we go over here and we pour ourselves out. Then we run back, we fill up with God, we go over and pour ourselves out. And what happens to us over here? We get empty. And we can get bitter, and we can feel alone. We can feel burnt out. We can be mad at God, like, why did you call me to this? And he's like, well, I didn't ask you to do it alone. You're doing it on your own. You know, I mean, we've all done this um, if we've been around ministry for a while. But I think the key in ministry I've learned over the years is to stay under the faucet. There's not this conscious, oh, now I go do ministry, right? Ministry is a part of our lives. At the grocery store, if you're in college with your professor, it's your life. Ministry is your life. We can't compartmentalize ministry. But if we like do that thing where we like spend some time with God and then go pour ourselves out, we're going to end up empty. And that place, all we have to give people is ourselves. And that's where you end up bitter. And that's where people want to quit because they say they're burnt out. I personally believe you can be called out of ministry. But if you're burnt out, you got to ask some questions of your own heart and your own spiritual rhythms. Because God does not take us to a place of burnout. That happens when we try to operate over here by ourselves. So if we stay under the faucet and that overflow of Christ in us, of time in the word, that's the contagious part of ministry. And that's what people are drawn to, right? Christ in us. Follow me, scripture says, as I follow Christ. Not follow me, follow me as I follow Christ, right? And so we got to be following Christ and the overflow of that in our lives. So the word of God, I'm like literally sweating still. Can we open that door? Ryan, what do you think? Is it quiet enough out there? I think we're, I don't know. I don't know. Because it's the last session and people are chit-chatting. I would say, like, if, even if we could get something little in that door to get airflow. I feel it. I feel it up here already. Do you feel it? Yeah, you feel it. Even if it's not a chair, can we prop, like, a book, a backpack? Okay, I'm going to let you guys figure that out. <coughs> you feel it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to find something to put in the door. Okay, so the Word of God is meant to be... Transformational, not incre- uh, informational, not just increase our knowledge, but change our hearts. And, um, and I see this every time I make the word a priority. I'll give you a quick example because it just happened. We have a big event in March um, in Young Lives in Charlottesville. We're doing a 10-year celebration, and we got, we're kind of behind because we got a lot of snow in January, and our meeting got canceled. So Thursday night I had a committee meeting, and everybody walked in the room, and I could tell everybody was really tense. Everybody had their list of things we had to get through. And a woman on my committee looked at me when I opened my Bible, and I knew what she was thinking. We talked about it afterwards. It was great. We're friends. It's okay. But, um, but she kind of gave me that look like, we do not have time for that. That's what I felt like, and she admitted to afterwards. And then I was like, it has to be our priority all the time in our lives, in what we do. And so we read the Word, and people engaged more than they ever have. We probably spent more time in the Word than we normally do at a committee meeting. And you just kind of like felt the room like everybody's like, oh. Like, it's just kind of like it brought peace over the room because God's word is transformational. And that was really cool at the end is we didn't get through all the details and we planned another meeting for like in 10 days, like the first Tuesday in February. We never meet that much. So what I love is like they were, you know, they were like, wow, that was worth it. That was a priority. We had great conversation about it afterwards and it engaged our hearts and honestly put us more about peace with everything we felt like we had on our shoulders. So anytime the word of God is meant to transform, not just for head knowledge. Um, what I want to do now is give you guys like 30 seconds before we get started to make a note to yourself. How would you describe your time with the Lord right now? And I like to think of pictures and analogies. So like what comes to my mind is like stagnant pond or fresh flowing river or, you know, whatever. Just take like 30 seconds and be honest with the Lord. How would you and write, it, write it down or make a note in your phone? How would you describe your time with the Lord? <coughs> say this I would say it's great to be honest it's always great to be honest with the Lord because he knows anyway right and I would also say this that um it's okay that we have crazy seasons we are all gonna have crazy seasons of ministry I think when I was exams in college um you know it's just a crazy season when I had three kids under three it was a crazy season everybody showed up all night like the next day I could barely open my eyes let alone read the work you know I think God gets that I think when you're looking at your time with the Lord and what it's like is that when those seasons become our rhythms is where we can get unhealthy, right? That we need to make sure that those are just seasons. God gets that. 
God gets our lives can be really chaotic at times, but that that doesn't become our rhythm. So we're going to start with looking at Psalm 27. And I'm just going to read verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So as a foundation, we're just going to start by picking apart this verse. So one thing David seeks, three parts. The first is dwell, and I'm not going to talk a lot about it because Jess did a great job last night. But it means to sit down, to remain, to inhabit for some time, for permanence. Okay, it does not mean passing through. And I think we're so geared in our society, right? We can order ahead to our Starbucks and just pick it up off the counter or fast food. Or, I mean, we get everything so quick in our lives. It doesn't work that way with God's word. I mean, my richest time with the Lord is not rushed. How can it be, right? Um, if he reveals things to us in a fast food mentality, I don't think they would mean as much to for us if we don't dwell, if we don't sit in his presence. So that's kind of my first question when you think about how's my time with the Lord? Am I dwelling in his presence? Who's got Colossians 3.16? Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Okay, so God's word has to dwell in us. It's not an in and out. If we have to dwell within us, we have to sit in it. Um, the next thing David asks is to gaze. And to gaze means to fix our eyes, to look at something with view, uh, with, uh, view with attention and a fixed gaze to stop. And what I always think of when I think of gaze is, I don't know why, but we have this saying in Charlottesville, you're going over the mountain for something, which means you're going to like Waynesboro or JMU or Rock Ridge or something. We're going over the mountain. Like people, it sounds kind of funny because it's not like we live in a mountainous area, but we have this, the Blue Ridge Mountains. Anyway, um, my point is I've been over the mountain a million times. The view is incredible. The mountains are incredible. I can remember the first time I took my Young Lives girl. I think we were going to Rockbridge. I really can't remember where we were going. But we came back over the mountain. She like yells, stop. And I'm like, what? I thought I hit somebody or something. And she's like, pull over. There was like one of those scenic view things, right? And she gets out of the car and she's like looking. And I literally remember being like, what? Like I've seen this all the time, but she hasn't. She doesn't leave town a lot. Mountains are a new thing for her. This whole experience is new. And just the way she looked at the mountains and the way I took it for granted made me realize that is so true of my time with the Lord. Like, am I really like gazing and stopping and fixing my face on his? Or am I just rushing through because I know who God is and I've been in his presence before and I'm not stopped and not fixed on his gaze. Um, and that just, that analogy just helps me remember to do that. Also, Hudson Taylor, if you haven't read a, uh, the, his book, when I was your age, I read um, Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Se Secrets. Anybody read that? Because <laughs> we're all children. <laughs> no, um, it is a great book. You need to read that book. But it, it is so impactful. I remember that Hudson Taylor talked about that we're changed by what we're beholding. So my question to you to write down and to meditate on when you leave this time is what are you beholding? What are you beholding in your life? We become what we behold. And I'm not even going to go there because that's another seminar about social media, you know, internet, things we can behold. But the reality is if we're not beholding God's word, and I really believe that means not just in our quiet times, but in our days, you know, then we're not going to become like it because we can't become like something we don't behold. Who can read um, uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18? And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord through his Spirit. Awesome. So when we look at Jesus, when we gaze at Jesus, when we behold him, we become like him. And so I really want you guys to think about when you leave here, what are you beholding? And when I think of beholding scripture, yes, it's in my time with him, which, like I said, I cannot put a time amount that's between you and the Lord enough to get you into that place that you're dwelling, you're soaking, that you're sitting. And we're going to talk more about practicalities of that. But as far as um, the beholding, I think of just, am I taking it with me through my day? And I know a lot of you guys probably do this, but I love like putting it on my mirror, putting it on my dashboard, setting an alarm on my phone to remind me of the scripture I read this morning, reading it at night before I go to bed. Like how many times have you read the word and by nighttime you forget what you even read? I mean, me? Is it just me? All the time, right? And so beholding is that we're, we're gazing upon, we're keeping it before us throughout the day. So what does that look like for you? Does that mean carrying, um, I call it my, my scripture Rolodex. My kids make fun of me because it's all beat up. But if the Lord speaks something significant to me, I put it on there and I kind of take it in my purse throughout the day. If I'm waiting in line somewhere, if there's traffic, like I'll pull it out and just remind myself of the truth that God has been speaking to me in my time alone with him. And I think we have to like continue that gaze throughout the day. I'm not just talking like in 
our exact quiet time. Does that make sense? And the last thing David asks is to seek, um, to seek him in his temple. And uh, we're, we're called to inquire, to study, to meditate, to search scripture. There's a million things I could say about this. I would say get a Bible commentary, get a Bible dictionary, cross-reference. I mean, none of us, not, some of us might be, I shouldn't say that. Most of us are not seminary students, but I mean, you have blue-letter Bible. You can look up the Hebrew and Greek. Like, everything is so easy today compared to, like, what it used to be. You, you know, you had to get the big, thick book and, and look it up in the Strong's Concordance. I mean, now you can Google it on your phone. You know, look up the Hebrew. <laughs> Hebrew and Greek, like really study the word, cross-reference it, you know, do a word study, study a book, like really go deep in your time uh, with the Lord. And when I think of this, and like I said, I'm a really picture person. I feel like it helps young lives, girls a lot who are not, I mean, just my girls, I should say in particular, are not used to being the word. So one week I drew a cow in campaigners and they're like, why are you drawing a cow? And it was really funny because I can't draw either. So provided entertainment. But the reason I drew a cow is because I read somewhere, and it's totally random, but does anybody know, like, how a cow eats? Does anybody know? Out of curiosity. Go ahead. Will you explain it? Yeah, they eat a lot, and then it goes into their stomach and comes back up, and so they it's keep gross. eating it. Yeah. So they actually have four parts of their stomach. I don't even remember all the parts, but the reason I'm sharing this is because they kind of chew and then digest, and they do. They, like, spit it back up, which is gross, and then they chew it some more and then digest it. Six hours a day a cow spends eating. That's ridiculous. Six hours a day. But they really have nothing else to do, I guess. So. But the point of that is, like, that to me is a great analogy with the word. Like, am I just giving God lip service and checking off my quiet time? Or am I, like, taking his word and really thinking about, me, th- thinking about it and bringing it back up during the day? And whatever that looks like to you, whatever it looks like to you to keep it fresh, that we're just... We're just in the word, but we're also, the word is going with us as we leave our time with the word. Does that make sense? Um, I would say this. There's a, there's a lot that can be said about that. Actually, we're going to move on. Um, how we approach the word, we're going to talk about next. Uh, I'm not going to go through all these because, I've, like I said, I've learned I have too much on here. But I, um, one of my just, I mean, one of the principles approaching the word is the doctrine of sola scriptoria, which means... The Bible is the final and infallible source of authority in our lives. You know, the word is the final authority of our faith, of our lives. And I would say this, is that that true of you? And this is how I would ask it. When you think about the word and whatever crisis you're in, whatever decision you need to be making right now, or just maybe maybe you're not in crisis or a major decision point, but what voices are you listening to? I just write that question down for later. What voices are you listening to? Because often we listen to the voices around us because, A, it's easier than investing the time into hearing from the Lord. I mean, listening is a spiritual discipline. It's not just reading, right? We'll get to that in a second. But listening is a spiritual discipline. And so what voices are we listening to? And I hope that the word is one of those voices as you're in crisis, everyday situations, but also major decisions. That the word is the final authority and you're listening to the Lord. And I'll share this. I know this is a, a seminar on prayer, but I was so convicted of this at new staff training. I get to go every year and do the Young Lives small group. And one of the speakers was like, how many of you like pray for kids? And I was like, oh, I got that. Like, I'm just really type A. I'm really good at like praying through lists. And then he's like, how many of you pray for kids' names? And after each name, stop and listen to what the Lord wants to tell you about that kid. I was like, oh, crap. Like, I am really convicted. Like, I get through my list. Isn't that, got, that a good thing? But no, like, this is what this means. Like, that he's the final authority. And that we have to stop and listen for hear him speak. Because he wants to give input on my girls and on their situations. And it's not just my plans. It's his plans, right? And so we have to be listening. And we have to, he has to be the primary voice. Who wants to read John 14, 26? But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, with whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's awesome. So we have to invite the Holy Spirit into our time with the Lord. That might be a new thing, but Jesus is pretty clear that uh, he sent the Spirit to be with us when he was gone, like Jess said, that indwelling. And the Spirit is what teaches us when we don't understand the passage, that we ask for revelation from the Spirit. The Spirit is also when you've ever read the Word and you felt conviction. That's the Holy Spirit in your heart. And so we invite the Holy Spirit into our time with the Lord. I always pray Psalm, the Psalm 119.18 that's next. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Like, reveal these things to me, Lord. I just don't want to know 
what I knew before. I want to know something new. And I can read a passage, and depending what's going on in my life, the Lord speaks in a different way than he did five years ago. Um, and I'll say this to you guys. How in young life can we um, get in a trap with this in our time with the Lord? What can we spend a lot of our time with the Lord doing? Thinking about how it's for others. How it's for other people. Absolutely. Like if our quiet times are just our campaign, prepare our campaigner lessons or our club talks or our discipleship times, we're in trouble. Because guess what? That's where our faith stays too. Like if you haven't noticed, young life is cyclical, right? Kids meet Christ. They need that milk. They're not ready for meat, you know, and so we do the wheel. How many times have people done the wheel? A lot, right? I bet a lot of people in this room, like, have the wheel memorized. And we stay in those club talk cycles, which is great. That's where we need to be because we're working with new believers, right, or, or non-believers. But our faith can't stay in that place, that there has to be that we're going to deeper in our walk because if our faith is just, like he said, to prepare lessons for other people, then we're going to be in trouble because we're not going to go deep in our time in the Word then. And I, this is why I tell my ladies, I don't want you to, number one, share anything in Club and Campaigners that hasn't, now I just, I'm, I'm not contradicting myself, but you've spent time in the Word, but you also process that scripture for a week. I want the Lord to speak to you about that scripture for a week. If you're writing that on the way to Club, I'm guessing a lot of your words are going to be yours and not God's because... You're driving there, and you need something in 15 minutes. I've been there. I've done it. I don't think it's a healthy place to be. You know, so we make that passage a part of our time with the Lord, and he reveals things. And what if I thought they should know that Jesus can calm nature, you know, that has power over nature in the calming of the storm, and I spent time in the Word, and God's like, no, you know, no, I want them to hear this. I don't know that because I'm not spending time listening. Does that make sense? And I would say this, too, that... Um, I tell my ladies, I don't want you to teach anything you haven't lived. Meaning, like, we can go to a good conference or something like this, or my ladies will go to a women's conference and they'll come back. And, but that's, that's just like retelling something that someone told you, right? Like, our time with the Lord is what overflows into our campaigner lessons and our club talks because it's Christ in us. We're not just, like, formulating something for someone else. Like, we've been there and done that. And I think the, the quote in Young Life that I'll never forget that's been going around for decades is, you can't take a kid farther than you've been yourself, right? So we want people to be deep in the word, but if we're not people of the word and spend time with God, then how can we take other people's deep, other people deeper than we are? Does that make sense? Okay, we're gonna look at this next section and then we're actually gonna skip a bunch and move on. Someone read Proverbs 25, two. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. God conceals... Is that all you want? No, keep going. God conceals deep truths, making them mysteries, and that is good and glorious. The good and glorious role of the most noble of men, on the other hand, is to search out those mysteries. Okay. So God, like, um, at first I was like, God, this is really unfair. Like, you're hiding things from me, right? But the reality is when kids are little and they play hide and seek, what's the number one thing they want when they play hide and seek? They want to be found, right? And God wants to be found. God wants us to know him on a deeper level. But if we were just handed spiritual truths on a platter, would they mean as much to us? I love this verse that is calling us, you know, it is a noble matter for kings, you know, to search out, to search out this. And, And I think God is really more concerned about the process, like Hudson Taylor said, who we are becoming as the result. Sure, you can get a bunch of head knowledge, but how do you think our faith changes when they're processed? of going deep in our time with the Lord, of spending time in, in, in deeper study than we've studied before, or wanting to know more about him, or confused on a passage, and actually taking the time to try to figure out what God's really saying there. Like, I think God is all about the process, because the process is what changes us, right? The result, if he handed us on a platter, we wouldn't be changed. I mean, we do the same thing with kids all the time, right? We tell them about sin, but the real revelation of sin is when they realize, oh, you told me that, and I see it in my own life. And the same is true of us in the Word. Like, God could tell us things, but when we discover them, like this verse says for ourselves, um, is when they become real. I heard this phrase when I was your age. I had no idea what it meant. But have anybody ever heard the phrase, be Berean? Anybody heard that? Yeah, I hadn't either. But it's stuck in my mind all these years. And Acts, I don't, just write this down. I'll have it on your sheet. Acts 17.11 says, Now the Berean Jews who have more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness, and examine the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So here are some Thessalonica Jews that are hearing Paul for the first time, but they're like, wait a minute, is this really what it says in the Old Testament? They're taking time to search the scriptures. So I would say be Berean. There's a lot of podcasts 
There's a lot of stuff out there. I don't know if it's all truth. You know, it might be, but I know the word of God never contradicts itself. So if you're studying the word and you hear something in a podcast or a sermon or whatever, be brilliant and study it for yourself and discover for its, yourself what the word says. The word will never contradict itself. The word will never contradict itself. So if you're hearing anything that's contradictory, it's probably not from the word. And I love the idea of thinking about spending time with the Lord as hide and seek. He wants to be found, but we go through that process of seeking to know him more for greater depth. Does that make sense? What was okay. the reference again, uh, that was Acts 17.11. Or is it? Yeah, 17.11. Okay, we're going to do one more thing, and then I, I'm going to move on. Um, so I'm going to read Joshua 1.8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Okay, we've all read this first. Who can really explain what meditate is? What are some thoughts on meditation? Right, think about it, right? I think it, it involves like stopping and being still. Yep, stopping and being still, absolutely. Um, who wants to read? This is a Tim Keller quote here. I don't know if I have this on your sheet, but meditate is like the mind descending into the heart. You know, what you know up here becoming true in your heart. And will someone read that next quote? That's by Tim Keller. I think it's awesome about meditating. Okay. And meditation, I could tell you, only comes with time. And when I think of the word meditating, I think of listening to God, but I also think of the word is described in Greek in two ways in the Bible. How is the word described? Anybody know the two Greek words? Okay, it's logos and rhema. And logos is what you're probably most familiar with. It's the written word. It means to reason. It's the word we read, right? Rhema word, uh, it means in Greek an utterance, and it's the spoken word of God personally speaking to us. And that can happen through the Holy Spirit in our time with him, through other people, but that God making the word come alive. And I would say that I've just found that my time with the Lord, if I'm just doing the written word and not doing rhema, like practicing rhema, listening uh, from the Lord, that I don't get all that I can get out of scripture. I don't get all that he wants to tell me from his word. And I think of it this way. Has anybody ever been to, um, you're going to laugh. I mean, my kids thought this was a stupid analogy, but I distinctly remember this. But um, Fort McHenry. Anybody ever been to Fort McHenry? Battle of 1812, where a national anthem was written? Or Okay, so um, I'll have to explain it to you since you haven't been there. Some people last time were. So it's this really cool place. It's in Baltimore. It's on the harbor. Um, you know, Francis Scott Key, all that stuff you study, bringing back any memories. Anyway, it's a very moving place. And so you're in this uh, room, and they're going through the presentation. There's this big black curtain. It's just, it's, you're like, why is that curtain there when you first enter the room? But it's this big black curtain. And then they, like, you know, start, um, like, playing, uh, you know, just uh, patriotic music. And they start talking about the Battle of 1812. It's it really moving. And then they pull back. The curtain, and there's this huge net, um, American flag. I mean, and it's been there the whole time you've been in the room. Do you follow what I'm saying? But the curtain is pulled back, and it's revealed to you. And it's a pretty emotional experience, just the hype like they intentionally put into it. But the point is that that's how I think of Rhema Word. It's word that's always been there, but I haven't seen it. Like, I haven't understood it. I haven't quite gotten it. And it's like God pulling back the curtain. And those moments with the Lord don't come with me from a quick time, a quick quiet time that I'm checking off my list. But I think that's where the Lord wants to be. He wants to reveal new things to us in his word about his character and nature, about who he is, about what he has for our lives. So think of that curtain example. Um, There's a lot of great verses here. We're going to skip them. The characteristics of the word. It's flawless. It's alive and active. All that great stuff. I love this one. Deuteronomy 32. They are not just idle words for you. They are life. Do we treat the word of God like it's life? Do we literally say... And I've had these days, God, if you don't show up today, I'm in trouble. Do we treat them like they were life, like they were food, like we couldn't sustain ourselves without eating for very long, right? How do we go with sustaining ourselves without God's word? His, they're literally life. Um, and I love, before we move on, I love this, Isaiah 55, 11. I always pray this over ladies who are like, you know, it's funny young lives because you guys, a lot of you have come out of young life and it's fresh for you. Like we get ladies who just love teen moms who've never done ministries before. And I always make them do club talks. So I think everybody should do some club talks. And it, they're like scared to death. And this is a verse that I always pray over, pray over them. It says, so shall my word 
be like that that goes forth from my mouth. It shall never return to me empty and it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent. I love that passage. Read that before you give your first club talk or every club talk campaigner lesson that God's word never returns void. It never returns void. You might think that was like the worst talk you ever gave or the worst campaigner lesson, but guess what? It planted a seed in somebody's heart in the room and they're forever changed. So don't ever shortchange God's word. It never comes back void. Okay, I want to move on. What are some different ways? I don't even have these all on here so the you without sheets don't have a disadvantage. What are some different ways do you think, I've done a lot of talking, we can engage in God's word besides reading it. What are some different ways? Discuss. Praying through it. Praying through it, awesome. Yep. Discussing it. Discussing it, awesome. Listening to other people interpret it. Listening to other people interpret it, okay. Singing it. Singing it, I love that. I love, well, I could do a whole seminar on worship, like, yeah. Singing God's word is super powerful. I think it changes the atmosphere. Um, I want to talk the. I want to talk specifically about uh, speaking the word, praying the word, and memorizing the word. I think um, the first one is we're all told to memorize the word, and we get that. And why do we do that? Because we can't bring to mind something that's not in our mind. We don't walk around with our Bibles. And I've been in so many situations, and my kids were like, "Don't tell too many stories, Mom." But I've been in so many situations where God brings a word to mind that He's placed in my heart ahead of time, and I don't know why, and then I see why. If you haven't memorized Scripture, a great place to start is TMS, Topical Memory System. Um, but obviously, you can memorize whatever you want to memorize. And I'm going to tell you guys. Hopefully, you'll find this funny. But I was trying to think of a fun story because I have I have a lot of stories that relate to young lives. But just a fun story that relates to. When I was your age, that sounds so funny. But um, I was in a sorority in college, and I, uh, you know, just loved girls in my sorority, just like I loved, you know, the young life kids. The young, I was doing a lot, young life kids I was working with. And I remember God had me memorize this verse: First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. When you're tempted, he'll provide a way out so you can stand up under it. And I distinctly remember this one night. And the hysterical thing is it's been decade, decades. I remember the girl's name. Her name is Nancy Palermo. Why do I remember that? I don't know. But I remember this night that, like, the goal of the room was, like, to get me to drink. And I just remember, like, saying this verse. It's not like I was like, I declare. I'm not like that. But I, I remember saying it out loud, like, to myself, like, kind of whispering it, like, Lord, you said whatever. And I just remember in this situation, it was, like, the, it just the circumstance of the room changed and she was becoming such an idiot that everybody was focused on her and no one was focused on me anymore and it just became like this non-thing that like no one ever talked about again and it was so cool because I can remember at your age going okay God you had me memorize this verse and I don't know why you had me memorize and I'm in this situation and I remember being like I just pray for a way out like it was so intense I can't explain it you know I guess kind of like hazing on a girl level but um Anyway, but that God will, when we memorize scripture, we don't even know sometimes when we're memorizing, but that God will put us in that situation and bring it to mind for that situation exactly when we need it. And I could tell you story after story of how it's happened. So I would memorize the word and I would go beyond TMS. I would go beyond, you know, I would go to what do I need today or what, what are you leading me to today? Okay, we're going to talk about speaking the word. Our tongue has the power of life and death. Um, I think one of the fun things with the word is to doing fresh things. I know you guys are getting tired. Um, uh, doing fresh things. For me, uh, something fresh I started this year was, I had done it about 10 years ago, but Brittany had just done the Bible in a year, and I, I, I mean, this is really bad. This is not an advertisement. But I don't like that because I, just me personally, I'm an accountant. I have a very logical mind, and I can't stand that you're like reading chunks of scripture out of order. So I got this Bible like 10 years ago. I did this, and I'm redoing it again this year, and that kind of what made me think of this, but um, it's, the, it's the Bible in chronological order in a year, and it's awesome, because if, has anybody ever done it? I'm doing it now. Isn't it awesome? Like, you're like, okay, this makes sense, because now I understand that this is the same story I read in Chronicles, and I'm reading in Kings, and I don't know. I mean, it's just really cool for us logically-minded people, and you can really figure out historically <coughs> what was happening before or after, so I highly recommend that. But I would say that is something that's been new and really life-giving for me this year. But as you speak the word, you see that God spoke creation, spoke creation. You know, God said, and God said, and it was so, all of creation. What does Jesus do when he's tempted by the devil? What does he say every time his first words out of his mouth in the, in the wilderness? It's on your paper if you have. It is written. He speaks the word back. There's power in the spoken word. And I know we can read it, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I believe that 
power is released when we speak the word, that darkness comes to life, that changes the atmospheres. I've been in super tense situations with Young Lives Girls who are either in a fight or in like a heated situation that I've pulled them aside. And I, like I said, I've never like commanded a situation. I just want you to know that. But I have pulled people aside and prayed for them and spoken the word over them. Like, do you really want to punch this person? Because it just would be really bad for you because you're on probation right now. I, I mean, I've done that. And so I've spoken truth over them and not just my truth, but the word, the word. And I'm telling you, like it changes the atmosphere, calms people down. It brings peace. And here's the thing. It reminds us. God doesn't need the reminder when we speak it. When we speak it out loud, it's powerful because it reminds us of what God said and who he is and what God can do. I'm going to share just one uh, more quick example with you is um, in campaigners this fall, we were kind of doing this study, lies and truth. And this is for all of us, not just my girls. But uh, we believe a lot of lies, don't we? And so one week in campaigners, we're like, we want you to write down all the lies you believe. While it was taking so long, you guys, we were like, okay, so work on that at home and bring it back next week. So next week they bring it back, and this one girl has the entire front and back of a page filled. Like, I just started crying. I was like, oh, my gosh, that you believe that. We all believe lies, but this was just like, I've never seen anything like this. So we're like, okay, we sat down. We kind of group them in topics like I'm ugly, I shouldn't have been born, I don't know, just all these kinds of thoughts. And we took the time to get a scripture that speaks the truth to each one of those lies. And we wrote it down and we put them on note cards. Every week this fall, when girls came to campaigners, the first thing we did was we read over them the truth that has to do with the lie that they were struggling, the truth of who God says uh, he is and he is to them. You guys, that is powerful. I mean, it's not just powerful for young lives, girls. It's powerful for your, for your kids. I think it like, I just think it empowers campaigner kids. And I think non-believers love it. My girls are like, wait a minute, I heard, like, because, you know, they figure out what campaigners and what club is, and not everybody comes to campaigners just like you guys, you know. But like a club that next week, they're like, wait a minute, I heard you were giving people verses. I want a verse. I was like, okay. Um, so, I mean, I'm saying that was like interaction with non-believers. But the reality is God's word is powerful. And when we speak it, it just, it just brings peace and it changes situations. And we watched our girls. We did that every time we were together. And we watched girls with like expressionless faces actually like smile and be joyful when the truth of God's word was spoken over them. Speaking the word is so powerful. So if you have your sheet, I'm just going to read these questions for reflection later. Um, do your thoughts personally, like I'm not just saying ministry, do your thoughts line up with God's word? Do you operate on a daily basis out of emotion or truth? Is there a gap between what the Bible says about you and how you feel about yourself? Are you, believe, are you going to believe the word over everything else? And what are you elevating above the word? You guys, those are great questions for us to reflect on. What truth are we believing? Is it consistent with God's character and nature? You know, is it consistent with the word? And I would say a lot of the kids we work with, it is anything but because they are the product of their environments of broken homes and people who speak all kinds of things over them. And you get the opportunity to speak the truth of God's word over them. I would do it. It's powerful. The last thing on this before um, I promise I'm wrapping up is pray the word. I could talk about this in a whole seminar. I know it's not a prayer seminar, but I'm huge on this guy, Mark Batterson. Everybody heard, heard of him? Praying circles. So his thing is like to walk something physically like when you pray. Just look, get a Mark Batterson book, like the story of how they got their church in D.C. and like their crack house. Was, uh, a crack house is now a coffee house. It's really powerful. So I'm a huge believer in praying scripture as you pray circles. And so like this one girl like really wanted this job because she had all these part-time jobs and she couldn't provide for her kid. And, and we circled this building at UVA. It was Alumni Hall because that's what she applied for. And like people, it was, it was really kind of funny because people were looking at us and stuff. And, um, but it was a powerful experience for her. And she got the job. And I'm not saying it's because we prayer circle. But if anything, what I saw in that is I saw her believe and trust and have faith and hope for the first time. And it's a powerful experience. And I'll say this for your high schools. So I'm not like at a specific high school because we have multiple urban schools with young lives. But my kids are at the suburban high school. And for years, I prayer walked that high school. And I would say it is a powerful thing to do as a leader and ask the Lord to give you scripture to pray as you're walking. And I'll, I'll just say, too, because I could go on. I mean, it's been almost a decade I've been doing it. But um, 
Luke 2.52, you know, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. So I would walk the, the school, I would prayer walk the school, and I'd say, Lord, that Cooper, Brittany, and Ashley would go grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men, that you give them favor here. You guys, I could tell you story after story of how my kids have had favor and incredible ministry at their high school. And I, I, I have prayed that, I don't know how many years, every every week for probably eight years. I mean, when I'm up there. And my other favorite verse is to pray is uh, just want revival at their school. I pray Isaiah 64, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down and that they will know you are God, that these kids would know that you are God. It is so powerful to pray scripture. If you don't prayer walk your school, it's not a prayer seminar, but I tell you to do it. And if you prayer walk it, I would say, ask the Lord for the verse. It changes to me all the time, but these two have stuck over time. My kids have life verses. I pray over them. Um, you can ask the Lord for a verse for a situation you're in, a verse for a situation a friend is in. I mean, the Lord wants to reveal himself to you in deeper ways. And this is a pretty dramatic one, but um, I mean, I've asked the Lord for scripture in crisis. Our family, a lot of you guys know, we have a daughter, Ashley, who almost died. We're in the hospital for months. It's really too long of a story. But I asked the Lord for a verse to just sustain me. And um, and it was Psalm uh 118.17, it says, I will live and not die and proclaim the works of the Lord. And I would pray for hours. Ashley will live and not die and proclaim the works of the Lord. And I know it's a dramatic example, but I'm telling you this example because I didn't believe it at first. I had the head knowledge of that verse, but I didn't have the heart knowledge. And after I prayed it in that hospital room for hours, God lined up my heart with my head, and I believed it was true that she would live. And declaring that truth was powerful. I mean, I'm sorry to get emotional, but um, it, just, it, it just made me encounter the Lord in, in ways when I didn't, you ever have not have words to pray? Yeah. Pray scripture, because sometimes we're so broken, we can't even find the words to pray. We don't even know what to pray. Ask the Lord for a verse to pray in that situation. It is powerful. And when we pray scripture repeatedly, we're not repeating it because we think God doesn't get it. We're repeating it so we get it. So that my heart, like I said, lines up with my head knowledge and I can live it. Does that make sense? So speak the word, memorize the word, pray the word. Um, I want to move on to kind of the conclusion, but I would say to wrap up that part, and I hope you guys go online and get the handout, but I have all this stuff about unconfessed sin and unforgiveness. And we'll say this, when people come to me and say, Lord, I want to go deeper, but I can't. I feel like it kind of always comes back to these two things. Not all the time. Sometimes it's pride or whatever. But think about this, guys. If you have unconfessed sin and an unrepentant heart, and you're holding things in a closet from God, well, first of all, he, he sees it anyway, so he's not surprised. But we got to be in a rhythm of daily confession and repentance. I think this verse convicts me every time. Psalm 66, 18. If I cherish sin in my heart, the, word would, the Lord would not have listened. And his desires, Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God so your sins may be wiped out and time of refreshing may come. So I would say if you're like, I'm struggling, look at is there unconfessed sin that you're not repenting of in your life? And is there unforgiveness? Because unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. It just breeds bitterness, anger, resentment in us. And we go before the Lord and we wonder why we're not intimate. Well, we're not intimate with the Lord because we're harboring unforgiveness. And I know that's like a whole nother ball game. How do we walk through forgiveness in a healthy way? It's a process. But I would say that those two things are things that I examine in my heart when I'm struggling for intimacy with the Lord. Um, So practical things, I would just say this. It's you and God. But I would say when I was your age, I I had this like, um, I honestly have been through seasons of my life. I haven't done it since then. But I would spend time with God every day. And I know you're going to laugh at me for those of you in college, but you never have more time than you do in your life than right now. And you're going to be like, Lori, that is not true. My class is at a, I'm telling you it's true. I was an accountant after college. I sat at a desk. I couldn't leave. And during tax season, it was even worse. I had no freedom. I mean, I still did ministry then, but man, it was hard. You have so much time. Think about the time you're on Facebook. I'm not even going to enter it because I have a son, video games, all that stuff, right? You have time to spend with the Lord. So one of the disciplines that I did is every Saturday morning, I spent three hours with the Lord before I did anything else. I was an RA, I was a Young Life Leader, I was in a sorority, I was an accounting major. I get that you're busy, but you have flexibility in your schedule that you will not have when you get into the real world, I'm just telling you. And so I'd spend three hours on a Saturday morning with the Lord, and then once a month I would try to take a day away uh, and just block everything out and just go away and be with the Lord. We just have to get in healthy spiritual rhythms. During a normal day, we might not get the time with the Lord to go deep, but that we take time each week, Saturday morning work for me, and each month, that we're pulling away to go deep. So I would say that we got to look at our, our rhythm of spending time with the Lord. 
Ask the Lord, like I said, life verses, ministry verses, put your name in verses, draw color. I mean, there's so many ways to engage the word in our lives. I mean, you guys, it, it's so easy now. Like you have like the Bible app and you have, you know, um, what is it? You version where you can listen to scripture. Like, I mean, you could just infiltrate scripture into your life in so many ways that some of us didn't get when we were younger. So take advantage of these. And like I said, try new things. I talked to you about the Bible in chronological order. I have a Catholic friend and she really encouraged me um, to do this process of Lectio Divina. Have you guys ever done that? It's kind of reading the word and then silence and reading the word again and listening and prayer. And it's just been really rich because I'm not used to that rhythm in my time with the Lord. So that is on you. I don't know what works for you, but if you are feeling stagnant, there are a million ways you can go at the word of God and you can find most of them online these days. So I would say it's on you to figure that out and not just complain that our time with the Lord is stagnant. And I threw out some expectations there to remain expectant that God's going to move. And just some closing thoughts would be, and I'm sorry I talked too long, but to stay grounded in the word, I think of a tree in young life are really good. The branches, which I would say is like the doing and the roots are obviously the being. And when our branches get so long, that tree is going to top over when they are way over the roots, right? And so we're really good about the doing, but that we will hold a high priority to the being. And uh, ministry isn't about where you are, but it's about where God is. And the only thing I can tell you after 30 years is the only way I know where God is is by spending time with him. I can go up to the school and I can do all kinds of things, but that is out of my flesh. God's already there. He's already moving. I need to join him in what he's doing. And if, not, if I'm not spending time with him, then I don't know his heart for people. I don't know his eyes for girls. I don't know what he's speaking, what he's saying, how I can help. We've got to spend time with him and join him in where he's already work. Um, and with that comes greater obedience. I think scripture says that when we, that when we dive deep, we have greater obedience. But then God also gives us greater responsibility. And I think that's the meat of walking closely with the Lord. So I end with this thought that God wants to do a new thing in his time with you. And I think of a national park, and it's just because we travel a lot and we love to drive. How many have been to a national park? Out west, that kind of thing, right? Would you ever think, like, I would get in the car in Virginia, and I would drive to Yosemite or Yellowstone, and I would stay in the visitor center. What's in the visitor center? People. Information. Information, a map what I should go do, right? And then I drive back to Virginia. That would be ridiculous, right? Because I want to hike the mountains. I want to see the waterfall. I want to get out in it, right? Well, you guys, we do that all the time in our time with the Lord. We stay in the visitor center. And there's one thing I can leave to encourage with this. Get out there and go deep and get out of the visitor center because there's so much God wants to show you for you. And that will automatically overflow into your ministry. So let me pray for you guys. God, I thank you for this time. I'm sorry. Um, uh, that I talk so much, but I pray that you would help them remember what's from you and what's not from you would fall away. And I, God, I just pray that the word, your word would jump off the page to them, Lord, that they would leave this time just be inspired to know you more, to study you more, Lord God, to just to walk more closely with you. And that automatically, we don't have to be intentional about ministry because this is just the overflow of you and us. So I thank you uh, that you love each one of them and that your favorite time of the day is to be with them. Um, so God, I pray that they, their hearts would be changed by the power of their word and their, uh, your word in their years of doing ministry um, in young life. So thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, guys. Oh.